0: Hey, this is C. Hope Clark, editor of FundsForWriters.com, and author of the Carolina Slade Mystery Series, with the most current release being Palmetto Poison, book three. Thanks for coming to our podcast. This is number 14, entitled Writing Southern and Why It Matters Even If You're Not Southern. My friend, who lives a few hours away from me in South Carolina, held a graduation party recently for her daughter. We hooked up my phone to catch up on events because I couldn't attend the party. And she relayed the party's events to me and I caught myself taking notes. She opened up talking about the party then stopped. There's a policeman in my driveway. Why are they here? She refers to people often in the collective as if they represent a big universal force. They feel they can pull off the road and turn around whenever they want to in my driveway. Then she fusses as if the policeman could hear her. She was looking out a window. You don't need to be pulling in my driveway and scaring me like that. Oh, God, I don't need this. Then she returned to me, totally collected, and went, Oh, sorry, let me fill you in about the party. And she continued into her story. This woman is colorful. She's genuine. She's expressive. She verbally dances like a gnat around your head. There's no telling how many stories you'll hear before she finishes the one she started. And I'm so modeling a character after her in my next book. Excuse me, but I'm being just like her. Let's get back to the party. Her ex showed up. Of course, we all know what it can be like when two exes land in the same room. But add the kaleidoscope character of this woman and it takes on a whole new meaning. He brought his girlfriend, which I don't really mind, but they came an hour late, to his own daughter's party. But that doesn't bother me. What really bothers me is that woman. I mean, if you went to someone else's party, wouldn't you go up to the hostess and thank her? Sure you would. You understand manners. Each word sped up. I could picture her standing at her kitchen bar, a foot propped on a bar stool, her earrings dangling, her fingernails painted perfectly with the same color of coral she uses each and every morning. Anyway, they stayed an hour or so and started to leave. Still, they haven't thanked me, but that's okay. I pulled her aside and asked if we could exchange phone numbers for when my daughter's at their place, you know. I gave her my business card and she turned away. I asked for her number and she said, I don't think so. And she just walked away. Can you believe that? I listened, except for sympathizing in agreement with her. I didn't want to say much because I wanted to hear what else she'd say. Then she came across so perfectly passive, aggressive Southern, it brought a smile to my face. I thought, you effing Yankee worthless piece of shit excuse me, but I had to smile and hold it together for the party. Then she launched into a lesson to me on how to smudge my house with sage to rid the rooms of bad and restless spirits. (laughs) I am wriggling, itching to write this character I see in my head. The beats between the wording, the clothing, the body movements, and of course the passive, aggressive way she says, bless your heart, meaning it in any of a dozen ways. And someone will tell me I created the greatest character. There's not a character in my stories that wasn't grounded in some manner in reality from someone or several someones that I've crossed paths with. Not that I formed a character that was the spitting image of a real person. Instead, I tend to people watch, hunting for movement, speaking methods, head tilts, those little quirks that I can insert into a character. None of my characters are 100% someone I know but instead a composite of people I've watched in my life. When I began writing, struggling to make my characters three-dimensional, I found myself waiting for my husband in a shopping center. So I grabbed a soft drink and waited in a fast food place, my notebook and pen at the ready. What began as quiet time to jot down an outline turned into eavesdropping. An argument between a young couple a mother with her child, a guy on his phone, the jerk at the counter giving the employee a hard time. His eyes, her hands, the curve of the spine, the working of a jaw, tugging a shirt, pulling on a skirt, eyeglasses, rings, necklaces twirled, twisted, and worried to death. What they order and how they eat it, one item at a time or in a clockwise fashion around the plate. Do they grab a toothpick at the counter when they leave? Or a mint. My st- stories are Southern so my players must clearly project the culture. That means knowing how to order barbecue or how to make the tea, using Babe as an endearing nickname, understanding college football, not caring much about the pros. Atlanta Braves baseball. And the best way to capture that Southernism is to slow my world down to watch the Southerners around me unknowingly put on their shows. I'm writing about the characters I love in an environment I understand and appreciate, so I drill down, paying intense attention to those players that comprise the real setting around me, and I study. I micro-study. Heck, I dissect minutia because that one tiny flip of a hand can make the difference in how my reader interprets a character in a scene during a pivotal moment. But Southern has nothing to do with appreciating good dialogue or painting the culture that defines the tale. Any culture deserves as much attention. Even if you think there isn't a specific culture, a writer needs to get his character's looks, environment, and unique way of talk in proper order. Don't get me started about food. It sounds easy. Having grown up in the South, you'd think it's simply a matter of writing what I know or that I'm infused with it from birth. No research needed but that's just not so. We take how we behave, speak, and react for granted. The cues and triggers we unconsciously know, the attitudes and manners instilled in us from the crib on up, might be invisible to us now. All the more reason an author needs to study the obvious, the mundane, the routine, and analyze it deeply enough to take apart its pieces and put them back together again. Why do we care how a sentence is spoken or how the gazes rest on us or dart away? What does that mean? How did your mama teach you to respond? Or what habit have you overcome to be perceived differently than when you were a child? Humans are complicated enough as it is. But through geography, social status, culture, and upbringing, we become messes that make for great stories. The world abounds with these stories, but because we don't slow down, listen, and watch, we miss them as they whiz by. And if we don't take it down even slower and understand the players, and what makes them think, behave, and react like they should, the story dies. As an author who writes Southern, my readers expect me to get it right. It has to ooze in amongst the words and stick between paragraphs. The chapter has to end with the reader subconsciously wanting to say y'all. Thanks for listening once again. This is C. Hope Clark, editor of fundsforwriters.com and the the author of the Carolina Slade Mystery Series, with the most recent release being Palmetto Poison. Thanks a whole bunch for listening, y'all.